We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 318 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and he's Emil Evanesian. And Emil, while my microphone wasn't working today, we thought it was you. It happens to be me, but that gave us enough time to really process the Sam Umtiti news. So yes. we have a lot to talk about today. We've got El Clasico to preview at the end. We've got some yep. Barca Granada, unfortunately, to continue to go over. But yep. I think where we start the show is with our old pal, Sam Umtiti, and his commitment to the club, which is now longer but also very much helps in the short term. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think you, you and I were chatting, and I completely agree with you that this is a, a win-win for all involved. I mean, Samuel Titi has, on the one hand, just functionally, this is a huge help to the club. Like, he reduces his annual salary. So the, you know, it, it allows them to register Ferran Torres, which is huge. You know, he has to make a longer commitment, but at the same time, there doesn't seem to be a huge market for his services even a year and a half from now. So at the very least, he's able to lock in all the money that he was, you know, he'd agreed to that he was contracted to receive, but do so in a way that provides the club with more flexibility and allows them to get, you know, a new, new young star in the door. And, you know, for all involved, I mean, the club should be really happy. He should be really happy and certainly hope the, I hope the fans take it easy on him now, you know, at the very least he's, He's, you know, they figured out a way he's he's going to be made whole as far as the money that he agreed to. And all the while he did what he, you know, did what needed to be done to to help the club in the short term as well. well yeah, I mean, it's just the word there is amortization where the club is emeritized his salary over the course of what was supposed to be a year and a half. And they've extended mm-hmm. it through 2026. So you're just making a little yeah, bit so more. Four and a half time. instead of one and a half. Yeah. Right. And I believe because that number is then going to get low enough next summer, 2023, that there is a termination fee that we've heard that is like possible where the club can basically just buy him out at that point because the number will be low enough and reasonable yeah. enough where it won't really destroy their their salary number either. Um, so yeah, for MTT, who's played all 90 minutes this season, this deal to be done. Well, I, I'll talk about like the fan reaction to him and all that in a second, but I, it's very clear that this situation is very different than Coutinho's because with Umtiti's injuries, and you would understand this, right? I think from a business perspective, where I do defend Umtiti a little bit is that people say, oh, he he's, he needs to have more, he, why is he not full of shame? It, you know, as, as, a, as a player, if you want to be the best, why are you not like taking less money? But I think it actually tells 
a lot more about where he's at in his career than where Coutinho might be. Umtiti, yeah. because of his knee injuries, you know, we saw the level he was at. We know, I mean, it's it's a well-trod path. The knee injuries mm-hmm. happen, 2018 World Cup, he doesn't have surgery, instead he wins a World Cup. That's what he chose to do with his career. He has never been the same player, will never be the same mm-hmm. player, a, a shell of himself, still under the age of 30. And for him, right. the contract he signed for Barcelona, he will never receive that money again. That's it. Right. We know that he will never, ever be able to get back physically mm-hmm. to where he would well, to where he was even. And even then, when he signed that contract, he was 24, which means he was entering his peak. And so the, any any contract he ever signs again is going to be one-tenth of that number. And so him, his family, everybody involved in his peripheral wants to basically make the money that he had earned when he signed that contract. Because Barca yes. gave him that deal because he was coming off, I mean, and people are trying to do revisionist history. But I said on the show four years ago that he was one of the top three to five center backs in the world in 2017. And I stick by that. I thought he was. And that is the contract that Barca paid for. So, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, they are on the hook to deal with that contract. And I think, again, he earned that contract then, and he just hasn't been able to make good out of it because of those those injuries he had. And Barca didn't put a, like, a, uh, a what is it called? A fort de jour or a force de jour? Now I found something. Oh, like the uh, act of God. Oh, yeah, force, basically. yeah, force majeure, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, where, yeah. yeah force majeure, where, where basically they could have said, hey, your injuries were just, you know, too much. Like, we, you know, we were able to terminate you early, which it didn't do. Like, they trusted him. And... As well, was the, the case is, in like, a lot of Bartomeu contracts, you know, there wasn't a lot of out for the club. But yeah, and uh, you know, while that's true, that one of all the contracts that were handed out during the during the Barto era, it was I completely agree with you. It was fully, fully justified. I mean, prior to the 2018 World Cup, this guy was a colossus. I mean, he was I mean, he was as untouchable as I remember I wrote a piece kind of, you know, previewing the the the, the Barca players at the that will be at the World Cup and just kind of summing them up. I remember I wrote about Umtiti at the time that he was the most important player on the squad, not named Messi. And I stand by, you know, I stood by it then. I stand by it now. At that time, that was true. And there was no conceivable way that you could let this guy you know, start winding down his contract or get unhappy. He was that level of untouchable. He was an absolute rock at, at the back. And he, yeah, I mean, they gave him the contract that he, that he deserved. I mean, for all the, for all the hilarious missteps and misfires of the Bartomeu regime, this was not one of them. What's happened in hindsight. I mean, this is, it was good process, bad result. Right. I mean, you do that every time. And if the guy gets hurt, that, that sucks, but it was a risk worth taking. It's also too his salary at the time was also based on the salary structure that was created. Looking yes. at the number, his number was based on what Sergio Roberto was making at the time. Yeah. A very similar number. And so, I mean, that's why they're making similar numbers now as Roberto is working on his renewal and whether or not the club yeah. is basically going to do the same thing to Roberto, who's one of the captains and one of their own, where it's basically, yeah. do we just extend his contract for two more years at smaller numbers or we... Do we attempt to just eat it and potentially let him walk for free? Or do we really want Sergio Roberto? Like, those are all questions about Roberto, which I think him being yeah. Catalan and him being a captain makes it even more complicated than the Umtiti situation. But yeah, it's also an indictment that Umtiti gets the blame for it, but it's an indictment of, yes, that all contracts, all salaries, the entire financial system at Barcelona had just gone haywire. And part of that is the fact that Messi was making so much, it continued to push all those numbers forward. And that yeah. just continued to be a problem. So I, I'm. It sounds like you know I'm going full in on the on the defensive boom TT or whatever. But it's just this is one of the last vestiges. You can be frustrated about the situation. But this is one mm-hmm. of those last vestiges of continuing to clean up the mess. And where I'm going to turn this completely positive is instead of talking about mm-hmm. TT anymore, because I think with this contract extension, I mean for all the hand wringing you could say about the past 
Summers, right? Like if Umtiti had done this, would Messi be able to stay? No, like it continues to be all the things that happened. Griezmann being loaned out, yeah. Messi having to leave on a free. All of that still had to happen for any business to be done at all. So I want to make yeah, that. It was just to start playing this year. Right. With Memphis. And, right. Yeah. So, right. So I just want to make that very, very clear. So even if Umtiti had made the decision earlier, it really wouldn't have changed that much. And now Umtiti doing this club, this quote unquote favor, right. But by getting what he's deserved and by doing this club, the favor, mm-hmm. it does set up, uh, it's a good situation for everybody. It's a win-win that now yeah. Umtiti can either, he has the flexibility to either go away for a year mm-hmm. and try in 2022, 2023 to basically find his place in professional football or Listen, he can still fight for his spot for at FC Barcelona, and then he's a free agent in 2023 anyway because he he uh, he signs off for that, you know, to have his club. Yeah, he can be so, bought out. And, yeah, so if he yeah. really believes in himself, sure, do that. That said, again, I'm going to spin this in that Mateo Alemani, and I, it's not all the credit to him because there are a lot mm-hmm. of other voices and hands and agents and different people and financial consultants doing their jobs. But sure. what Mateo Alemani has done in six months, with, with, wait, we're talking about the big picture. Like, as much as... Holland is the thing we're not talking about because that's what gets clicks or whatever. There is yeah. still this huge mess. And I think for those who've kind of been in it, I mean, again, I host two shows a week, so I'm, I'm constantly yeah. in the, the wage numbers and being asked questions, all this stuff. So for him to not being Alemani, first, the Dembele situation was always in the player's hands. I want to make that very clear. Even over the yeah. summertime, he didn't have to renew. And mm-hmm. it's that whole thing where, yeah, I mean, you're kind of, if a player doesn't want to stay, you are at the mercy of the player who doesn't want to stay, especially if he's a valuable piece for the club and the yep. club has just lost the greatest player of all time. <laughs> like that's put you yes. in a really tough spot to be in. So the, yeah. the, the Dembele situation, um, but for that not to be resolved now here in the winter time, potentially, but you still able to register Ferran Torres, who was the cheapest big option on the market, who was yes. a, who agreed to reduce his salary to come to the club and who will actually be a help to the attack and to also find a way to have Coutinho's wages largely figured out for the next six months so you can register Ferran Torres and yep. potentially even some kind of you know break the class in case of emergency center back which we'll talk about in a second with Garcia but for him to do all of that in a matter of six months is it's just it's great business it's to bring yeah. Ferran Torres to get continue off the books for six months and to restructure this MTT deal to restructure the I mean the PK deal was a thank you to the club and listen, I usually would would be frustrated by all of his tweeting, but you know, <laughs> Jared PK, go in your victory lap. Basically, yeah, that's what they're saying. <laughs> like, yeah, just no, do, you know, do you do? Speak your piece. Yeah, I mean the the PK thing was, and and I don't say this in any way to to speak against Alemani, but I think the I think the PK salary reduction was very much, you know, that was something that Jared PK was kind of always going to do, irrespective of yeah of who was a at the helm same thing with the danny alvis deal by the way like yeah it it was like needed and danny alvis has taken less money danny alvis is like i'll play for 130 grand exactly (laughs) yeah (laughs) thank you for that yeah yeah exactly so um yeah but i agree with you as far as being able to shift the the overwhelming majority of the philip philippe coutinho obligation at least for six months because this is what it is right now you know whether it was the the loan to the loan to Bayern or this move I mean, he's just on such a massive salary and his stock has fallen so dramatically that you just kind of have to piecemeal solutions. Like there isn't a, you know, try, try as they might, there's, there's not a clean way out of the whole thing. So this is very much just kind of chipping away at the, at the iceberg of the, of the obligation Mm -hmm. that is, you know, Coutinho's contract. And yeah, and I mean, similarly, it's uh, the, Umtiti, the Umtiti thing was 
was similar, but yeah, I mean, at this point it brings the annual number down to a, to a palatable number and yeah. And I mean, they were able to get Ferran Torres. And I mean, obviously he made a decision that he would take a reduced salary, you know, just coming, you know, coming back to Spain and coming to FC Barcelona and playing for Barca meant enough to him that he didn't need to wring, you know, every last Euro out of, out of his contract that he could he made his deal. I mean, I'm sure he'll in probably in, you know, in nicer, in better financial times, I'm I'm sure he'll, you know, he'll get a contract renewal that maybe compensates him a little bit and makes him a little bit more whole, you know, for, for the sacrifices he made. Yeah. But I mean, everything that Alemani's done in a span of six months is it's spectacular. I mean, it's, you know, we were speaking every week, you know, particularly right around the start of the season and even, you know, for the first month or two, at least everything just, it had this like almost like this funereal, vibe to it because it was you know they can't afford to do anything like they don't have you know they can't pay someone a hundred bucks to play play for them let alone you know millions and yeah i mean they've they've done more than simply just shuffling deck chairs around i mean he's made real meaningful changes and he's allowed that he's allowed the club to actually have some flexibility and add bona fide talent we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Right. And for Laporta too, to, to give him a bit of a compliment on this too. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I was fearful and critical at the time. I had said that it sounded like Victor Font had a bigger, well, at least Victor Font had a, a better laid out plan that he was willing mm-hmm. to be public. And I mean, clearly Laporta, his plan was the same one he had back in 2003. And it's that 
take smart football people, put them in charge of things and let them do their thing. And then I'll yeah. just smile and shake hands. And, you know, I've got friends with Mina Riola and Goldman Sachs, and I've got my connections and I'm yeah. just going to be the, 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 the smiley businessman that I am and be yeah. this magnanimous figure. Right. And Laporta that, I mean, at the time, of course, I mean, if Barca were a private enterprise, they would have had to go bankrupt just as Laporta was, was, com- was coming in charge. So the compliment yeah. to Laporta is that he has let his people do their jobs and he yes. picked the right people. So he does deserve compliments on his leadership that he, you know, because it was worrying. I mean, a shuffling of the deck. I mean, we would have thought that Roman Planas leaving would have been, you know, yeah. absolute catastrophe. And it might be with losing his scouting mind in the sure. future. Like they couldn't miss out on talent. So it's going to be frustrating. But the simple fact is like, I think people forget how long a process is going to be where we can even, we can, discuss how hard it is to come back with results where the club yeah it is worrisome if you're dropping out of the Europa League not making that Champions League money just you know having your bottom line be lessened and not getting results not competing for La Liga those are all really worrying things where a club can stay in that state of stasis and you get stuck you know you're kind of spinning your tires without getting back to the elite and that can happen however for this club financially we we had spoken that it was going to take two to three years And if in a matter of less than a year, remember, it was March of 2021 when Laporta stepped into that job. And if the club was able in one year's time to go from to go from being able to say, because that's the whole thing. It doesn't matter, I think. And not to say anything. It's not a victory if the club says, oh, well, you know, great. It'll be a great success if Erlen Holland comes. But to me. I think Kule's as again, it's not fun because you're not celebrating really anything. But the yeah. fact that the club was in the state that it was in, and now you can say that I mean Erlen Holland might be possible. So it actually yes. like whether or not he happens isn't actually the point here financially. The point yeah. is it's a huge victory for the club that he is possible. And that yeah. means that it doesn't matter if you get Holland or not. You get if you can purchase great players for the cost of Erlen Holland. That in itself completely revitalizes us. Yeah, if you're back, if you're playing, yeah, if you're back playing in the big leagues, as far as transfers are concerned, in one year's of, time. Yeah, I was gonna say inside of two years, even that's that's brilliant, that's phenomenal, and I think like so much of the work that's been done, to your point, is you know like there's nothing sexy about kind of reinforcing the you know the roof on the house, you know what I mean, or like right. or fixing your you know I don't know like insulation and things like that these aren't these aren't spectacular things that make people ooh and ah but well my example right now emil where you're listening to this podcast and i'm on my old mic right now because my i have to get a new part i wanted to get a new i wanted to get a new actual microphone but now i actually wind up having to fix an old an old problem so i don't have to go on a lesser microphone and it's i mean i I feel you fc barcelona (laughs) yeah exactly and like erling holland's like getting the hot tub for the backyard but exactly (laughs) but you need to reinforce the roof and make sure the insulation works and your you know your floors are okay and all that stuff and you don't give it much thought unless like there's something wrong with it. Like you don't think about the roof on your house unless it's leaking, right. but it's, they've done a great job of plugging the, the leaks. I mean, the, the roof was leaking, you know I mean? It was, it was bad. And at least now we're able to have conversations. Yeah. Like you said, the fact that we can even invoke Erling Holland's name with, you know, like more than a shred of sanity, you know, like mm-hmm. without just being completely unhinged is fantastic. Yep. I mean, there's still work to be done. I mean, but yeah. other than Maybe like, it doesn't looking, happen, but yeah, right. I mean, a lot could happen where Atletico yeah. Madrid cannot want to, if, if Atletico Madrid doesn't purchase 
uh, Antoine Griezmann for 40, yeah. 40 million euro, which is still possible. I, I think there might be, there's something in it where if he plays too much and they have to purchase him, but yeah. yeah, if they choose not to at some point, and obviously Coutinho might be right back over the summertime with his wages for another year. So, you know, they kick the can down the road for six months for that. So yeah, this problem isn't yeah. completely over, but this Umtiti deal does put the Umtiti salary issue to bed. You still have Dembele yeah. to worry about your silver Berto. So yeah, it's not, you know, we're not on the yellow brick road just yet, but I, actually we are. But to, to that point, I feel like they've met the scarecrow at this point, right? I feel like we've, yeah, yeah. We've, we've met the scarecrow. The we're, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're heading to the, the Tin Man, which I'm all out of whack because yeah. that means that the the, the forest, when the, when, the, when the monkeys attack, is still coming. But that, I feel like that's actually, this is a good tangent because that's actually feel like that's happening on the field. And for yes. for as good as things have been this week on the financial side, in the, on the, back, in the back office to register Torres, the one one result against Granada is a bad result. And I feel like in these kind of situations with Granada, because of those late equalizers, and this has happened now for Barcelona, they're the only team, aside from Cadiz, who have lost more points after conceding goals after the 85th minute of games. Cadiz had done I mean, it seven times. It feels right, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, Cadiz yeah. had done it seven times, and Barcelona have done it six times. And that has forced <laughs> yeah. them to deal with draws. That, that would have been wins against Atletico Madrid. Hadafe, Mallorca, and Granada. So not great on, on late game execution this season for FC Barcelona. Yeah, so basically they've lost, what is it? So that works out to what? They've lost 10 points as a yeah. result of... Like 12 points, yep. Yeah. Yeah, minimum. I'm looking at the table right now. You know I mean? That's just... Would that's, be helpful, yeah. <laughs> yes, you know, like you're, you're in, you get, you get half of those points and you're comfortably in third place, you know? I mean, it's... Um, yep. Yeah, I mean, that's so, the difference between not really having any concerns about top four and this kind of the, yeah. the having to figure out how you're going to scrape your way in. You and know? I think, and I think from Granada now, two days later, I think there's, there's three points to to kind of discuss here uh, after, mm-hmm. after all we could, instead of breaking down individual player performance or whatever, yeah. I, I think, cause I think a lot of people had a lot of mixed reviews on how this game uh, on who played well, if the team played well, I saw that the match was boring, which I didn't feel like that was the case at all. Uh, and mm-hmm. then I also saw some people say that, you know, that Barca had played terribly or that they, you know, they, I think the only thing everyone agrees on is that they did lose control in the match. And that's why there was an equalizer. But yeah. all right, first thing to talk about though, and I think the longest standing effect of this Granada match, obviously is that the injury bug will not go away. Eric Garcia now a hamstring injury for five weeks. Five weeks and yeah. I was trying to figure out as I continue to rub in people's faces that he has been better than I think, you know, when everyone wanted him to be. Yeah, he's good now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys. So, all right. Uh, he's good. All right. <laughs> so stop with that. Um, I got a lot of, I got a lot of comments. I could send people a lot of messages privately that <laughs> if people let me know that Eric Garcia was trash. But my only question for Garcia is, do you think that it's Garcia's doing, or as I've been thinking about Xavi, I mean, Garcia He's adapted, but he's also been much, much better under Xavi. So, I mean, yeah. it, it, I don't know if it's a chicken or the egg thing, right? Is it that he finally got comfortable or is it that Xavi and the fact that Busquets and Piquet have also been really good under Xavi, meaning as kind of what we've been saying that uh, Xavi's system allows them to, it just has a higher line of confrontation and it, yeah. it just, they're, they're smart players and smart players yeah. are able to play in that system positionally and be in the right spots. And it's relying less on Garcia having to do what he doesn't do well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, so I think it's, you know, a bit of column A, a bit of column B, but so I think he is acclimating and just getting more comfortable. And just as far as, you know, being here and, you know, learning his teammates and, and everything else. So I think there has just been a natural period of acclimatization for him. And he's, so he looks more comfortable just in his surroundings. And yeah, I think the, uh, Piquet and Busquets playing better around him. Like you said, I mean, these are as, as experienced and as intelligent 
a duo as you can have around him. And he's, so that's obviously benefiting him. You know, I mean, he's, I think he's obviously spoken to those guys and they've, I don't know, they've, they've found, they found a rhythm, you know, something resembling a rhythm together. You know I mean? There's, there's still, still work to be done, but they look very good. They look really comfortable, you know, now and just Eric Garcia himself in a vacuum looks more comfortable and more confident, you know, on the ball and everything. And, you know, and it's probably a bit of both, but I mean, it's probably not coincidental that he's playing better since Xavi arrived because we have seen, like you said, uh, PK and Busquets have seen their form, you know, elevate since Xavi's arrival. I mean, shoot, Luke De Jong is, you know, yeah. playing, you know. So I, I think and Nico a, too, and Nico's Nico, been great too. Yeah. Like, so there is there is a direct correlation. It feels like it's not just there's you know like there's certain me being players. A, yeah, yeah like well, La Masia based players. Like, it's it, I mean, yes, and I'm going to yeah. take it to that level where you know it's not just this La Masia bias. Like, oh, Xavi's brought back the golden age of the academy, and all players who know the Barca way are playing better, but. Right now, there is a little bit of correlation where players who seem to have come from the academy at any point yeah. are playing better under Xavi. I think actually with the exception, oddly enough, of Jordi Alba, who I think has kind of been hot or cold since since Xavi. Yeah, returned. like he's... But yeah. he also doesn't look fully healthy because... And that's the other thing too. No one is fully healthy. That's actually why I bring yeah. up the Garcia injury. That It's another unfortunate case where this guy was in form and even Eric Garcia found his form, something that nobody thought he could find. He found right. it and now he's hurt. So I guess that's a lesson for Barcelona players. Do not find your form. Don't play well. I, I mean, for Nico, he's put together, I think, four or five straight good matches. So Nico, for goodness sake, like <laughs> don't don't walk down your steps without a help. Everyone just try to be quietly competent, but don't draw yeah. any attention to yourself. Right. Try not to be exceptional. <laughs> just everyone, yeah. everyone do a workmanlike job. <laughs> yeah. Well, the um, other thing with Garcia too is I feel like in the match, and I think the big question here, again, the other two talking boards are tied into this. Mm-hmm. Why did Barcelona lose the match? I think uh, lose control of that match is what we're trying to answer. Busquets mm-hmm. said right after the match that, hey, 17-year-old Gabi, that's why. That's the big, that's why we're talking about this because Gabi got the red. One less player means you have a lot less control. And then to me, actually, the Eric Garcia injury had a huge effect on it because, yeah. I mean, he just does settle everything down when Barca have the ball. And yeah. Granada might have still continued to push harder, bring up the pressure as they did from the 20 to the 25th minute. Mm-hmm. But a lot of Granada's pressure was coming down the flanks. When they were having good success up in yeah. Granada, it was by going 1v1 at mm-hmm. Danny Alves and taking advantage of the fact that Dembele did not show up for that match offensively or defensively. He just had to yeah. switch off. I said on the match review, sometimes mm-hmm. he has to switch on, sometimes he has to switch off. Today, yes. I mean, uh, that day, that was completely off. So for Dembele, yeah, it wasn't great. He wasn't helping Alves. And Alves was trying to you know, invert and come in the middle and help the control in the middle. But yeah. Granada were completely pinning him to the wing, which was when Barca would lose control of that match. And then for, for Gabi, yeah, it could have been the red. And then the other one people are saying is that Xavi's decision to put in Memphis for Luke de Young was also the other major reason why Barca lost control of this match. But certainly the issue was control. And first, before we go there, mm-hmm. can we do, let's do the Gabi thing now. I mean, is there anything new that you have to say about Gabi getting this red? Um, not really. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think it's just, it's a, it was a rash kind of out of control moment by a 17 year old. I mean, it was, a, you know, it was, he was trying to play aggressively and, you know, if when stuff like that works, it gets praised and it's, it's what you want out of your young players to play with, you know, assertiveness and an aggression when it goes wrong, it can be, you know, ugly and, you know, and crippling in the latter stages of a, of a game. No, I mean, I think it was, it was rash. It was, you know, not, not brilliant. And, 
he it, it just it went just wrong enough where he couldn't even skate with a yellow he had to walk and it was a second so, yellow. I mean, it, yeah it was it wasn't even yeah, a red actually it was a second yellow and it happened on Kayato which is first I mean it was cool to see Kayato yeah. get on the pitch but for Kayato his I mean again it was nothing that Kayato did wrong he didn't sell that at all he was he got taken out from behind no, 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 he got taken out yeah, yeah. It. So, I mean, it was so, just, yeah I mean he was um yeah I mean I think it's yeah I don't think it's indicative of you know any kind of larger issue or anything like that I mean just young player tried to make a play went in hard and it just it didn't work. You know? Yeah. And I, th- I think what I think makes that even more frustrating, actually, you know, again, I talk a lot about FC Barcelona in a week and make a lot of content. So it is frustrating me that I have nothing new or novel to say about Gabi getting a red because, you know, for those who are saying that, oh, I went in hard on Puj after Linares and I didn't yeah. go hard in on Gabi, but Gabi actually had a fine performance other than the two yellow cards, which were both bad cards. I mean, so he has this yeah. one thing, this, I mean, it's crazy because Gabi is so good that the one thing you can say is that he, his, his pro is that he's always fighting. He fights harder than anyone mm-hmm. on the team. He's very aggressive, especially for his size and his age. And then the con with that is that he gets too aggressive at times. And it seemed like he had a few good weeks where he wasn't picking up rash cards. And now yeah. it seems like, yeah, he got a red. He's right back to it. And it's that, that's like one of those weird ones where how do you, other than for me, I think it's positional where mm-hmm. he really does have to learn his body. And I, I think people are saying it's emotion. It's a shot of blood to the head. So sometimes that can come with experience where you have to be yeah. experienced stuff not to, but I don't think like people think, oh, I mean, some guys play angry. I don't, I mean, professional footballers, Generally, I mean, to my experience, I mean, to understanding like their psychology, they don't play like completely unhinged, like Sunday football. Like, no, you know not, what I mean? Like furious. In most right. Cases. I mean, but, but he, I mean, but, and there's aggression that is necessary to play. I mean, it's like here in, the, in the NFL here, there are guys NFL, like it's like called like personality disassociating. There's a yeah. ton of NFL players that are just like the nicest guys and then completely disassociate to basically kill a man or yeah, try their best to like psychopaths for right. three, four hours on a Sunday in between then, these lines. And yeah. like if Gabby, if he is emotionally disassociating so to become as aggressive as he needs to be, because he is uh, all all uh, indications are he's just a nice kid. He's a nice 17 year old regular kid. But but that said, like, how do you fix that? How do you like how do you? take away the red card without taking away his aggression and desire and fight. And I think the answer to that is that he will get more comfortable with experience to understand yeah. positionally and with his own body. I can, yeah. you know, in the way that Busquets is perfect at saying, I'm, you know, I have a reach of whatever it is and I can get to that guy because yes, I have, exactly. you know what I mean? Like, and for Gabi, he'll learn, I can't get there with this tackle or I can, and he'll make those decisions accordingly. And that comes with experience. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say, I think there's a certain situational awareness that comes with with experience and there's no reason to believe that he won't, you know, he won't gain that. He won't accumulate that, you know, build up that situational awareness. He's very young and he plays aggressively, which I mean, like I said, it's it's the kind of thing that you want on the spectrum of issues that you can have with the with a young player in this situation. I would rather have to figure out how to sort of dial him back a little bit and hope that, you know, the experience and just greater knowledge just kind of tempers this a little bit than if he were excessively, you know, overly passive and you had to constantly try to light a fire under the guy. So, because I think this one is more doable than, because if someone just simply doesn't have the intensity and the aggression, it's hard to instill that in someone where you can kind of teach someone how to channel it more effectively as they as they grow up well i mean let me do the opposite of that i think the opposite is a worrying this game that 
the likes of Alba and PK and Busquets that people continue to talk mm. about that leadership group, mm. their inability to lead through adversity is continuing mm. to be a worrying thing. And unlike Gabi, that I think through experience will get better, yeah. is I mean, PK has been great as a leader, as a, yes. like just a, as a stalwart at the back. And Busquets, mm-hmm. of course, I think has been fine as a captain. But there is this thing that this unit, this group of leadership, it's not just even one individual, this leadership group, they're staying as well in, in net. There's something that happens in the late parts of games. And again, that number uh, that I told you six times, this team has yeah. lost points after conceding goals and the 85th minute or later. So that is indicative of a, a pattern. And that yes. pattern, I mean, does go on your leadership. You do go, it goes on the players yes. who are expected to guide you through those difficult moments. And they haven't been able to do that. And they deserve criticism for that. And Busquets and PK also say in their comments too, that they're accepting of that criticism because it is on their, and their leadership. Yeah. And we're fair to say that. And then the other person that falls on, of course, is Xavi. And I think that's why, I think there's a huge difference between his late game decision-making and his tactics as a whole, where it's, and I think this Luke DeYoung Memphis one was, I think we just, we went too far with it in that I think so many people who are saying, oh, I would have kept Luke on because there's this idea that if a, if a striker is in form and banging in goals, then you keep him on. But I go, hey, 90 minutes ago, even though he was the player of the game or match of the man of the match against Mallorca, you still said, why is he playing at all? And most of us still had Jukla back in the middle in our starting lineups and Luke DeYoung on the mm-hmm. bench, even after what he did against Mallorca. So then you are going to you know, revise history and say, because things didn't work out, then therefore the Xavi made the wrong decision to take off Luke DeYoung, who has only played 90 minutes twice this year against Osasuna yes. and Mallorca, and Memphis Dubai is coming back in. And you'd expect, the expectation is that Memphis should being, I think, better holding the ball up, you'd expect yeah. that he was actually going to aid with control. And the fact that Granada pushing were leaving more space in behind. So you would think on, in theory, that Easy Abde and Memphis would be better at exploring that space yep. in behind. So, I mean, I, it, right, I thought does, those things. Exactly. <laughs> doesn't it make sense why Xavi made the decision he is? And because it didn't work out, now we're saying that it was the wrong choice to put Memphis in for Luke the Young. The only thing that we had that Xavi had was that if Memphis wasn't physically prepared to be in that match, then he should not have entered that match. Yeah. No matter what. And that's the only information we don't have. No, exactly. I mean, it's kind of the, you know, the, the phrase that I threw out earlier when we were talking about the Umtiti thing was like, it's, it was good process, bad result, because the whole thing makes sense to swap out De Young for, or, you know, swap in Memphis for, De Young at that point. And like you said, the the relative strengths and Memphis's ability to to hold up the ball, that's what you would want. He's he's a good player and he's also what he's good at is well suited to what Barca needed at that moment. And you know, just with that amount of time left, it simply didn't work out. And yeah, I mean, maybe there is something going on. Maybe he's not a hundred percent or you know, whatever. He wasn't wasn't mentally dialed in, you know, wasn't ready to play, you know, whatever it is. Um, we can speculate, but obviously he, he wasn't at peak effectiveness. And, but I think an otherwise sensical decision ends up looking bad because, yeah. but, but it made sense. I mean, the, you know, the, the thought process and the decision were, were sound from where I sit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I continue to say that Xavi's tactics, I mean, are just, again, he's smarter than all of us. Like as much as you think, yeah. you know, I mean, Xavi knows his tactics better than we do. And yeah. I think he just he very rarely has he done the thing. I don't know. Like it's been so gratifying to me to go like, oh, if I was a manager, I feel like that's what I would have done. And it yeah. seems like every almost every starting lineup, every decision that he's made, it's like uh, to me always like 
not not to say that I like blindly am following Xavi, but I think there are times where he's made some late game decisions where you, you did, and I think he should have questioned it. But then for Xavi, I think he is making so many times like the decision that you would make, but then he's not getting the thing he needed out of the player that he asked to do the mm-hmm. job. And I think that will come with time as well too, potentially, or you yeah. just need to enhance the quality of the player because even a Luke de Young, they're getting, I mean, that being Xavi has gotten so much. Can you believe that they got, I mean, a, a win against Linares midweek. And yeah. I mean, that's without Luke de Young. And then the yeah. win against Mallorca last weekend. And then even today, a, a, I mean, or yesterday, a draw against Granada is huge as well. And yeah. you think about Luke de Young, right? The offside goal yesterday and then the back heel. Yeah, that one was so, right? so harsh. Being, appeti- <laughs> being appetizers for the goal. And that's his second in two league of games. So for Luke yeah. de Young to go from coming under Kuman because Kuman wanted him, to, yeah. I mean, basically helping you win four points uh, in the Liga. Yeah. It's just, it's a, I don't know. Like, I, I'm trying to see this with, a, with a, a glass half full. I know people are negative, but like to get that out of Luke de Young, to be able to squeeze that much out of a player that was definitely going to have his contract terminated this week. And now I have to ask you, Emil, does that mean that with Luke's performance of the last week, now we have to question a week later, because Ferran Torres can be registered, does either Luke or Brothwaite get sent out? Like you obviously can't sell Brothwaite without him being able to play. And he has no market yeah. at the moment, like, cause he's out and in- injured and canceling Luke's loan just gets his wages off the books since he's on loan. But yeah. with Umtiti's contract, and if there are no other signings, then why not just keep him if he is proving to be a little bit useful right now? I, so now you're stuck with Luke, not stuck with, but now instead of being stuck with Luke DeYoung and Brothwaite, now you have other just options that exist. If, yeah, if exactly. you get something out of Luke DeYoung. Look, I mean, Luke DeYoung is giving the team, like Luke DeYoung is providing what you would look to Luke DeYoung to provide. <laughs> right. you know, he's he's like a big dude in the middle. He He's in the box and he gets his head on the ball. And there there's value to that. And particularly for a team that's so, you know, both racked with injuries and, you know, they've been, you know, uh, personnel-wise, they've been hamstrung financially and all of that. I mean, this is, Right now, these are kind of scraping the you're you're scraping results, and it's not it's not aesthetically pleasing the way you know you know the the Luke de Young way isn't always the the aesthetically pleasing way that we all might want. But commit to it; I mean, it's not it's not what we want to see from FC Barcelona. No, but it's it's results. I mean, right now it's you know we we can pretty it all up later, but you know, we need champions league places next year. And yeah, you know, it's just, you know, all of these other things are, are secondary, but no, I mean, the, the guy's playing sort of as the best version of himself. And, you know, I, I do think that there's probably value in keeping him around because, you know, there, there are injuries and, you know, right now he's, he's playing well, he's showing up to play and he's, he's doing the thing that's asked of him. And I mean, he's arguably doing that as well as any attacker on the on the team. And so, to sort of jettison him out of the team at this moment in time just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Right, because you don't know how well Ansu is going to come back, and I mean, definitely yeah. will continue to play regardless of his contract situation. But yeah, I mean, aesthetically, is it a worry that FC Barcelona scored the most headed goals of any team in the league of the season with eight uh, more than the whole bit. of last <laughs> season? They had seven all of last year, so. Yeah, yeah, the fact bit. that they're just this towering <laughs> head the ball in the back yeah. net. That's how we get goals. We don't get goals really from a, you know, complete open play. Pretty goals don't happen at FC Barcelona anymore. Yeah. So yeah, aesthetically yeah. it's worrisome. And that's, I think, why people yeah. call the 
a Barcelona matches, you know, some will say it's boring or some will say it's not enjoyable to watch. But again, players are still getting healthy, hopefully. And we'll see as we pivot to yeah. Barca versus Real Madrid and Spanish Super Cup in Saudi Arabia. Ansu Fati, Frankie de Jong and Ronald Araujo have all been put as, you know, in the squad to travel where sure. likely they might get a green light or they might not on, you know, it's a bit of gamemanship there. I don't think we're going to, I mean, if we see any of them, I mean, even Araujo having had a hand surgery like two days ago and yeah, like, being back in the, uh, amazing. back in the squad <laughs> is incredible. Yeah. My hands are <laughs> thinking about it, but against Real Madrid with this all Clasico, I mean, I think it's, it's no secret that the Spanish super cup in Saudi Arabia, this is the lowest common denominator of an El Clasico. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's happening and that's, Basically, all I'm saying, but because it's Madrid and because it's in a season of Barcelona, need to hold on to every bit of optimism they have. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like, am I supposed to view this as again glass half full? Am I supposed to view this as a good test for the team and to say, hey, last time these two teams met, Barcelona lost to Real Madrid because they were not in the same stratosphere. They lost right. to Bayern Munich yeah. because they were a far inferior team. Now, a few weeks on, a few months later of the Xavi project. Xavi, again, the what is he, third most all-time classical appearances behind yeah. just Messi and Sergio Ramos. Like, this is his first El Clasico. So, like, as much as I want to say that Spanish Super Cup, Saudi Arabia, a year where not everybody's healthy, you know, a year where La Liga yeah. matters, a year when you're in Europa League, that this game, you know, on, a, on an island doesn't matter, but also El Clasico always matters. And so, like, right. you know what I mean? I'm caught between two minds here. So I think, um, yeah, on the one hand, I do think just, for Xavi himself, because I mean, you always go back to those, you know, that that those glory days of the when there was like a classical every four or five weeks. It felt like, and just yeah, twenty eleven, yeah, yeah. Been, but even just that whole and you know, and then there was the other years where there weren't. But that entire era of sort of the early Cristiano Ronaldo and you know the the Xavi Iniesta Messi, like those those games were all sort of those were all powder kegs and they these guys were all on the front lines for some absolutely you know they were in some cauldron environments at at the Bernabeu and you know and conversely you know just with some so I mean I feel like that's going to matter to Xavi I mean just simply seeing the the badge on the Real Madrid shirt to a certain extent you know I think just given his his experience and his lifelong indoctrination with the with the club i think it's a simple case of we must we must be real madrid like it doesn't matter who like we're right. playing their youth team we need to we need to hammer these guys so i think yeah. there's a little bit of that well the greatest um, achievement it, of elas mariba's career is scoring the hat trick against the real madrid u19s and that was like yeah. when he came up to the first team the first thing everyone was always kept saying was that hey yeah. this is the key to have the hat trick against real madrid like but but yeah. that wasn't like casemiro he scored against that was a it's like 17 year old Real Madrid. Player. I know, yeah, it's just like some other, yeah, it's another teenage yeah. kid. Yeah. But so I think there's that. Um, I, I'm interested to see what kind of lineup Madrid puts out. But I mean, given the given the golfing quality that there was in, you know, when the two sides met earlier in the year, and like you said, the in the Bayern games as well, just Barca looked nowhere. Yeah, I mean, I think you said just not even in the same stratosphere. I mean, they they were playing different sports almost. And yeah. so I do think there's a certain element because I don't think Madrid's just going to mail in this game. Like, I don't think they're going to, they're going to punt it and just accept the loss. So, I mean, I think it's a, it's a measuring stick to a certain extent. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I mean, it's a little, 
it's also a win-win result, I think, because again, no offense to the Spanish Super Cup. I mean, I think people know how much I defend the, the Copa del Rey, but the Spanish Super Cup in particular in Saudi Arabia, this is a paycheck yes. for Barcelona. This is why they're going. Oh, cool. they're, they're just trying to cash yeah. this check. And listen, having the weekend off with this injured squad, like, isn't the baddest thing. Like, the worst part of this is potentially losing to Real Madrid, honestly. Like, and I know that you want any trophy this year and Xavi might go trophy list, but I want to remind people that, like, as far as optics go, and this is the same thing in Catalonia. If if Xavi says, hey, I won the Spanish Super Cup in my first year, everybody is going to go, who cares? Who cares if you won the Spanish Super Cup? Like, oh, I, you know, I that's not going to count as a real trophy. Oh, I don't yeah. even think it would be worse than that. I mean, I think it would be, I think he would be openly derided. Like, cause that, I mean, that's like, that's Jose Mourinho stuff where it was like, <laughs> you know, like, he yeah, would I don't think Xavi something. would do that. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, I mean, he'd win like a prize at an arcade and just be like, yeah. hey, like, this is part of a trouble. No, no, no. I don't, I don't think you'd do that. And I think Xavi knows better than to do that. Yeah. Yeah. He would like, do that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, because I think it'd be, but I think it's just the simple fact of we're, we're back at the races with Madrid. We are capable of beating Real Madrid more than anything, whether there's a trophy on the line or not. Like, you don't want to be plainly inferior to, your you know yeah sworn rival well and even so like I think it's that yeah it's even me like you know me with the history like you know i i know for the for the the first spanish super cup that they did win was in uh was it 1980 oh god i'm trying 1983 i think it was and that was like the days of alex Anko, who's now back with the mm-hmm. club and francisco lobo carrasco and i think keeney also came in to to be yeah. in the final or whatever in that match yeah, so, was a, right around that time yeah yeah so like 1983 so like this is again a spanish super cup only goes back to 1982 like you're talking about mm-hmm. then other cups that nobody's heard of like the the Copa but Eva Duarte, which was back in the yeah. 40s and 50s. Uh, those were like the predecessors. Like the, Mar- the Martini Rossi Cup. and Yeah, yeah. there was one. Well, that yeah. was like way, way, way. There was yeah, one called yeah, the Copa was... de Campeones, which was like, again, back in the teams of the five, the era of the five cups back in the early 50s. Yeah, yeah, that Kubala was the, and all the that. time, yeah. Yeah, so like, again, this Spanish Super Cup, even its modern iteration, only goes back to like 83. So yeah, for me, like the Juan Gamper trophy actually matters almost as much as this <laughs> one. And that's the one that Barca created basically to, get, to give themselves for the, yeah. to the re-intro of a season. So yeah, I mean, like again, you know me, like I care about all trophies. I care about mm-hmm. Copa del Rey's. I care about the history. I care about like you know, it's it's always paying respect to those who come before you, and you know the likes of Amor and Bacero mm-hmm. and Salinas and Bajirstein yeah. and Stoichov, those who fought for this title before. You know, because yeah. again, this is a cup that Barcelona have won a ton of times. You know, that's it. Again, coming back to that 2011 edition that you're talking about being the most infamous. Yeah. They won in t- 2009, 10, and 11 did Barcelona. And it came yeah. against against Real Madrid in what happened to be a 5-4 aggregate because it used to be two yeah. legs. So it was 5-4 a- on aggregate and it mattered, right? Like it mattered yes. that year. But this year we can confidently say that this does not matter. But yes, if they, I mean, I'm still going to do the same thing. It's a match that I'm going to watch the match. I'm going to watch the 90 minutes. Mm. If they lose to Real Madrid when they could have beat Real Madrid, I'm going to be frustrated like everybody else. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying it's not like that I'm going to throw it away no matter the result. But I am saying that like, it's a lot easier of a pill to swallow in an El Clasico loss due to the nature of everything else surrounding this match, where it doesn't really matter on an island. It just matters because you lost to Real Madrid. That's the only Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I think similar to similarly to how you're looking at it, you know, I'm going to watch the game. And the, the biggest thing is if, if Barca win, you know, kind of counterintuitively, I don't care about the Spanish Super Cup. I will be delighted that they beat Real Madrid, the, yeah. the, they, you know. And so the, the one thing that's kind of unfortunate is that Javi's first Clasico isn't at Camp Nou or the Bernabeu. 
but it's in, in Saudi Arabia. You know, yeah. in Saudi Arabia. Yep. So that I mean, there's there's that element of it that I wish there was, you know, a little bit more of kind of local passion and just you know angry fans and you know like some of that. But all the same, I mean, it's it's Barca and Madrid, and you know, it's it's Xavi's first Clasico. It's you know, it's kind of fittingly, it's you know, given the strange times we're in, it's fitting that Xavi's first Clasico is sort of a a bit of an odd one. And um, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic and I, I do sincerely feel like, you know, trying as best I can to get in Chavi's head. I feel like he just, he wants to beat Madrid and like, yeah. and you know, he needs the, not needs necessarily, but just, I think just the good vibes around the, around the club. Yeah. It's a like, huge bump. Hey, we, yeah. We, we, yeah. we took down, we took down Madrid. I think would go a very long way right now too. I think you're right. I think this team, I, I, you know, I'm pretty unemotional guy. I mean, when I play, I'm actually criticized by teammates and stuff in, in the sports that I play for not like for always being, you know, the ice man, like always like mm. there's no moment is a moment. Like it's all, it's all yeah. calm. Like every moment is a moment, but I think I don't, I don't take for, I almost take for granted that, you know, especially these professionals that momentum matters and that winning yeah. now winning, you know, against Real Madrid, mm. even if you lose the final beating Real Madrid and be able to say, Hey, we're still, we're the team that lost to Bayern Munich. But now look at where we are now. Look at the progress we've made on the shop. Yeah. And we have everybody getting healthy. And we're, everything is coming up Barcelona in the same way that you're right. You look at this, the standings and you go, hey, Barcelona are two points away from third place. Like Barcelona and are now potentially getting as healthy as they are. Their tactics are as put together as they've been in fucking... Mm-hmm. Again, I don't want to under, I don't want to overstate, but I, I do trust Xavi. So, I mean, if their tactics yeah. are the most put together they've been in four or five years and they have a team that's getting healthier at all at the right time, and now they're potentially able to spend over the summer, they have Ferran Torres coming in in a few weeks when he comes back from COVID So and the foot injury. So they're they're in a good spot and it's all positive. And like, if you can take that positivity against Real Madrid, put them to the sword, you're in a great spot. So I, I do end the show with, I got bad news and good news for you to end the show, Emil. Barca yeah. B lost the bottom of the table in the third in the third division, the Premier Division, to Real Betis B, who mm-hmm. are uh, bottom of the table. So Barca B is not in a good moment at the at the moment. That said, most of their team is with the first team <laughs> at the moment. Right. So yeah. I want to throw that out there. <laughs> However, like Ida Shikomas did play, and he wasn't great against Barca B. He actually mm-hmm. played better, to my money, against Mallorca than he did against Real Betis B. And even Alfaro Sanz, right? Alfaro Sanz comes off the bench against Granada because he's a defensive midfielder. So he comes off the bench instead of Puj because Xavi wanted that profile. He wanted to close out a game. So he went with the defensive midfielder, even though he's a Barca B player, he is still 20 years old. So he's been around a little bit. So he Mm -hmm. goes to Sons in that one. And so, you know, you have players playing twice in a weekend. You have, again, some, you know, continuity errors with training. And I'm not going to make excuses for Sergio Barzlan. I think there were questions about his managing and his ability to manage a team prior to in comparison to Garcia Pimienta, which I think tactically were huge shoes to try to fill. Um, yep. So I think Barzlan is, is, is kind of, Sergio is getting, you know, a little bit of rightful criticism in that way. That said, again, for Barca B, it's a long-term thing. They're still in striking distance of potentially getting the promotion playoffs. And another reminder, too, that with all these Barca players, B players getting the jump to the first team, if Barca B is able to tread water, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. how do I measure their success at this point in the year? It's that if they tread water in that enhanced new third division, that's a, I think that's a net positive. If they're promoted to the second division, awesome. But they just yeah. don't want to get relegated back down to the fourth division because that isn't really a, a good level. No, exactly. I mean, that would be a that would be a particularly bad look. But I do think, and <clears throat> interestingly, I'm gonna the the non football sport that I'm going to bring in uh, is not NBA basketball. This oh, time, but it's now it's I'm lost. Like, 
it's it's kind of like the and you know I'm not, I'm not like a huge scholar of uh, of baseball or you know baseball prospecting and stuff like that but it's you know when when some team has a great farm system and they have a whole ton of prospects all of a sudden they'll go from number one or number two to like number 25 in the rankings because they graduated all of their good guys and like all of the you know sort of the the future assets are now on your on your team and it's hard to have a sort of a perpetual conveyor belt of you know we we graduate one good prospect and like lo and behold there's instantly another great one to just slide in like it takes a minute so you've yeah i mean barca b is done a pretty good job of stock, you know, stocking the first team with, with talent. Yes. I mean, it, it does stand to reason that there, there needs to be a moment of kind of replenishing. And yeah, and if they're able to just simply tread water, you know, I mean, it'd, it'd be great if they got to the, to the second tier, but I mean, if they're able to just, like you said, just tread water and play, like play well, don't, don't lose to bottom of the table teams, <laughs> you know, stuff like yeah, that. Right. Exactly. Um, like it's, I think that would be totally fun. Yeah, the excuse I continue to make for them is that the third division is a lot better. Like, Atletico Boleras has now moved mm-hmm. on to the next round of the Copa del Rey. And yeah. they're a team that Barca played. I think they actually beat, I think they beat Boleras earlier this year. They're uh, uh, the rival, if you will, of Mallorca on the island, even though they're never in the same division, by the way. They actually swapped <laughs> places at one time uh, when oh. Mallorca dropped down to the third. So, <laughs> yes, but Atletico Boleras has been good. I mean, Linares was a team that Barca B got a result against. You know, they basically played the exact same match that the first team did <laughs> against Linares, yeah. and they did it early in the season. So the level in the third division is a little bit is good enough that these kids are getting the training and work they need in matches to make the step to the first team. Where it's it's you know it's a big of a it's a it's a jump, but it's it's not it's it's not an uncomfortable jump. It's not like you're going from the now yeah, fourth absolutely. division to the top. So yeah, Barca B. The goal is to not get relegated back to the fourth division. That's the goal, and to stay in the third division. And then the other yeah. good news I have for you, I guess, yeah, that one was a good news. But the good news I have mm-hmm. for you is that. The Femini will be playing their Women's Champions League Cup at uh, tie against Real Madrid at the Camp Nou, which is awesome news. As that I said, so awesome, um, yeah, yeah I, I hope they, I mean, even if they only have six, to, I think that they're expecting six to 8,000 spectators. So I'm hoping that they do get that number. I'm hoping people show up. You get six to 8,000. I, mean, I want to go. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so wait, I'm, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to make a legitimate effort to, to actually be there. I will, I, I can hopefully kind of report back with some, uh, how the atmosphere and all that. Yeah, yeah just atmosphere and just yeah. Yeah, first-hand, first-hand observations. Yeah, because unfortunately they have almost everything to lose here where if, if people don't show up and Real Madrid somehow, through an act of God really, uh, get a result over the Femini at home, then they have all to lose. And it's frustrating because oh, it's like yeah, the Femini standard is just win everything and have and hope that more and more people get on this bandwagon and you can yeah. feel more Barca fans off on the first team. And yeah, I mean, uh, there are those Barca. I only watch the first team. I don't care about the yeah. other teams, and you know they exist. And fine, you know that's it's that's their opinion. It's fair for them to exist yeah. in this world. But yeah, I mean, I was excited to watch Femini, and uh, I'm glad they're the camp. No, so that's not good news. I have no other, <laughs> no, yeah, nothing. I'm gal- yeah, not going to galaxy for that as well. Yeah, I mean they deserve it. They've played well yeah. enough, and yeah, let's let's see how many people show up. So and then yeah. again, by how many goals? But how many goals do they beat Real Madrid is the other question. But, but that, that's yeah. El Clasico. My, my regular running joke is just go ahead and like lay a touchdown with them and just, you know, and they keep doing it. I think their last two, well, I think there was a 5-0 in the middle there. But um, yeah, because yeah, I think it's been 7-5 and 7 lately. Well, I, well, and I think, 
Ah, I can't believe I'm still doing this, but but I think mm-hmm. the difference between a win against Real Madrid nowadays, even even though Madrid is only in its second year of actually being like financially resourced, they have some good yes. players, and Real Madrid have gone out and bought some quality players, and they've upgraded yeah. all of their training and their dressing room, and they actually treat them as a, a an actual respectable like an actual now. part of the club, yeah, right, and and that's huge, and that means that mm-hmm. yes, when the Femini go out and they destroy a team that are semi professional, mm-hmm. and you question the professionalism of Spanish football, you question, yeah. I mean, television all that stuff so it's one thing when you, they beat somebody 9-1 that just doesn't have you know the backing the financial backing of the club but yep. Real Madrid is an actual team same thing like when they go out and they stomp uh, hopefully someday they stomp Lyon or when they go out and they stomp Chelsea in the Champions League final mm-hmm. those are teams that do have the financial backing so this is really mano y mano this isn't yeah. just the feminine being able to use Barca money to dominate this is actually mano y mano teams that are and so Real Madrid they're trying to yeah. put themselves in that pantheon. They they did make it to this round of the Champions League for a reason. So going out exactly. and destroying them 5 nothing is not – I'm not going to roll my eyes at it. I'm going to say, hey, they – I mean, Real Madrid are trying to catch up. So basically it's the same thing with the first team. If if the first team lose to Real Madrid 3 nothing, Real Madrid goes, hey, we're far way farther along in our progress mm-hmm. than you are. And the yeah. same thing, the Femini, if they beat – this Real Madrid Femini by or Feminino five nothing. Then hey, you're way behind us. <laughs> but yeah, you have the ability yeah. to catch up to us. But yeah, right now there, you're way behind still us. Still not there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yep. <laughs> all right, but I think we have gotten all the way to the end of our show. We've gotten all the way there. Uh, it's another edition of the show wrapped up. Follow Emil Avanesian on Twitter, of course. Uh, then we are on Twitter and Instagram at the Barcelona Pod FD13 for me. We're on Patreon, as you know. Help us keep making these shows over there, those match reviews. And I do put everything in case you're not on YouTube mm-hmm. or podcast or in case you don't want to go to a million different places. If you sign up, $3 Patreon, you basically get all of the content. I, I think I try to put every bit of content that I make mm-hmm. up over there, except for the, the articles for the website. So we're also on YouTube, as I said, uh, at the Barcelona Podcast. We're on our on our way to 10,000 subscribers. So I'm supposed to get there at the end yes. of February, but I'd like to beat that. I'd like to give it, I mean, I don't think my wife cares if I get her 10,000 subscribers for Valentine's Day, but I don't know. It, it'd be a nice gift. It'd be, it'd be nice. a loving gift from you to me <laughs> if you could subscribe on the YouTube channel. So that'd be great if you're not doing that already. And, th- and thanks so much for listening to the Barcelona Podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Of course, the Barca. Of course, the Barca. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.